In the fall of 2021, an incident happened at Northview Middle School in Hickory, North Carolina. It turned into a larger debate around what children, specifically young women or female presenting students, wore at school. So my daughter and the rest of her female student body was taken into an assembly outside of class while the boys stayed in class and they were lectured about dress code. They were shown slideshows where they were shown this is appropriate and this is not. They were told things like their shoulders are a distraction to the boys in class. They were quotes like leggings show everything that you should save for marriage. And to me, every single one of those messages perpetuates rape culture in a way that like I just find completely unacceptable for minor children, especially considering these children are between the ages of 11 and 14. My name's Josh Taylor, and you're listening to my podcast, Modern Mouse. A look at the less magical side of life through the most magical lens I know, the Walt Disney Company. In this episode, I'll be examining the repercussions of Disney's decision to change the clothing of their female characters, how we sexualize and vilify feminine bodies, and why it's important to change our societal interpretation of sex, sensuality, and the female body in ways that empower rather than shame. My name is Becky Everly. I'm a hairstylist in North Carolina and I own a salon here. I'm also a mom of three, almost four. And my oldest daughter is almost 12. I have mostly daughters and I grew up with mostly sisters. So this kind of awareness and issue is important to me. I think it's something that everybody should be trying to talk about and trying to find a way to, to normalize um, rather than going about the inequality that we've all experienced. Becky was one of the parents who decided to speak up for her family and her daughter. There are a lot of parents who are like on board and they're seeing the issues, especially in the messages that were sent specifically to our kids. It was like an eye opener for a lot of people who wouldn't have other otherwise thought to think about fighting against dress code. And you're seeing it all over the country. Like you can Google headlines about student dress and there are students all over the country right now protesting dress codes, male and female students, because a lot of the male students in this culture see that that's happening to women and they don't agree with it. Whereas like maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, like when I was in school, we didn't necessarily have that same camaraderie between the male and the female students about what was right and what was wrong, but it's nice to see it evolving. The demonization of female bodies isn't anything new. It happens everywhere, including one of my favorite places to visit, Disneyland. In 2016, Disney made an effort to change some of their characters' fashion in the theme parks. Jasmine was most noticeable, going from a skirt and bikini-like top that exposed quite a bit of skin to an outfit that gave her long sleeves and covered her entire body. 
In 2021, Disney chose to also change one of its long-running attractions, Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin, choosing to replace Jessica Rabbit's dress, which revealed more of her feminine features, and instead put her in a trench coat to make her a crime-fighting detective. The Walt Disney Company has had a variety of answers to why these changes in fashion were made, but I can't help to think that a conversation about appropriate clothing and modesty was a factor. This raises a major point. What are we telling young women or female-presenting people about who they are? I just think that's weird to tell young girls this area of your your body needs to be hidden the question then would come up why why does that need to be hidden what does it mean if it's not hidden what does that result in am i now promiscuous am i slutty that's sandra demas she's a latin dance instructor and even though we were talking about a younger demographic i asked her about the judgments that she herself receives I feel like it's pretty often as a dancer, especially um, because our costumes and attire in general is form-fitting. It's just what I'm comfortable in, even outside of the studio. So people might make comments, um, complimentary or otherwise. You know, the otherwise ones are the more annoying ones because they tend to reflect um, an assumption of character. And that, I think, is problematic. Unfortunately, Sandra's story isn't anything new. In fact, from everyone I talked to that you're going to meet in this episode, they had similar experiences of judgment. We have bodies. We have, you know, abdomens. We have breasts. And to downplay that because of how the male gaze responds to it tells us that we are responsible for their misbehavior, for their mindset. Um, which is very frustrating. I think trying to police how people dress is very difficult. And I don't know if that is a good use of our time. I think when we start to restrict people based on what they're wearing, especially if the motivation behind that is to stop someone from doing something terrible, we're not addressing the actual issue. The male gaze is a phrase commonly referring to the way that a film or really any media presents female characters. And it can be blamed on how we see women, but this isn't just about men correcting their views. In 2014, an editorial was posted to the conservative-leaning UK newspaper The Telegraph. That article was titled The Curse of the Sexy Disney Princesses. In it, writer Glenda Cooper, a woman stated that she was sick of seeing her two daughters looking up to current Disney princesses like Merida and Rapunzel and Elsa. While she liked the strong and empowering messages from those films, she demonized the outfits those characters wore, the runway walk Elsa does on her ice castle, and the merchandise that's sold in large retail stores that allow girls to play with and dress just like their favorite princesses. She cites a study made in 2012 by psychologists where they handed young girls two different paper dolls. One is in more loose-fitting clothing and the other in a more revealing outfit. When asked which one they wanted to look like, a majority of these young women chose the doll with a more revealing outfit. 
I have to state that in her editorial, she doesn't give a direct link or name this study, so I can't confirm or deny its accuracy. I did, however, turn to someone I thought could give some insight on the topic. My name is Dolly Marlowe, and I am a professional pinup model and burlesque performer. I went to go visit Dolly and her pet bird on a pretty nice day in Southern California, and I wanted to understand more about sexuality and sensuality from somebody whose job is basically just that. You know, I think for me, it's the unabashed and unapologetic glamour and femininity of it all. My dad was an amateur World War II aviation enthusiast, um, and so I grew up seeing the pinup girls painted on the side of airplanes and watching old movies with him. He's also a blues musician, so, you know, that kind of whole jazz world I grew up in, so it was really sort of a natural progression for me. There was a maturity to it and there was a sexiness to it and that, you know, even at a young age being drawn to to that kind of thing as opposed to, I don't know what other little girls were even doing, <laughs> doing at that age. Is it, is it sexy to you as an, um, as something that is for you or did you ever think at a young age that it was for men? Honestly, that's a judgment that I get a lot. Like, you do this for male attention. And um, there's a lot of work that goes into what I was I do. So if I was doing this just to excite men, I you would burn out. It's it's exhausting. So no, this is, this is me. This is what I've always loved. This is what I've always been drawn to. And when I was little, it was never about men or boys. It was about things being pink and frilly and sparkly and... You know, when I was playing with Barbies, I was obsessed with their hair and their clothes. It was never about how their bodies looked or this is a sexy thing. It was just grown up. For Dolly, her experience and expertise as a burlesque performer isn't about pleasing other people. It's about the confidence a nice outfit can bring. And I can understand that. I think most of us can. It's nice to get a compliment on how you look, and it's nice to look in the mirror, and feel confident before you go out. And for her, she saw the Disney princesses sort of like those pinup girls painted on the airplanes. I think it's important for children to have things that they can relate to. I think Moana was a great example of that. She looks like a kid. She's not drawn sexy. And even though you could argue that her costume was a little bit revealing, it, it fits the climate of where her character is from. It makes sense. It fits those traditions. For little kids, that's something that's relatable, whether it's she looks like me because I have the same nationality or uh, tribal traditions or culture or look at her because I have curly hair or look at her because I'm the same age group or whatever. There's something, but those things need to be based in reality. If those things aren't based in reality, it's really hard to relate to something. But at the same time, kids also need something to aspire to. And that's where fantasy comes in. And fantasy, if you put too much reality in it, it sucks the dream out of it. When I was a little girl, I didn't dream of growing up to look like a little girl. I didn't dream of growing up to look like my school teacher. 
I dreamed of growing up to look like Snow White or Cinderella, any of the princesses that you wear the little dress up things and the, the little clickety clackety plastic heels and all that kind of stuff. That's based in fantasy. And whether or not those things are sexy, adult women are sexy. That's part of who we are as humans. I don't think you can really separate sexiness from adulthood because, you know, that's how we procreate. That's part of our recreation. Sex is who, you know, a, a huge part of who we are as well-adjusted adults. In the last few decades, we've seen this rise of cosplay or people who dress like their favorite characters thanks to a growing number of pop culture conventions. And social media has just made it easier to showcase those talents in costume making online as well. Back in 2015, I met Phoebe Isaacson at a Disney convention. She followed what myself and some of my other fellow creatives have been doing in podcasting and in social media. She ended up joining us for the day and was decked out in her aerial cosplay from The Little Mermaid. Since then, we've chatted on and off, and I thought now was a great time to talk about cosplaying, what it meant to her in terms of self-confidence. I haven't done, done the, the lingerie looks or anything like that, but I do enjoy showing off a little more skin um, and like doing those shoots where like I can show myself off almost in a way or just like totally feel it when I'm wearing it. Like I definitely just like walk the walk and I feel really, really good. What can kind of prevent that from like me feeling a hundred percent is then I'll get like 17 DMs from random people that have no interest in my cosplay and only interest in getting more out of it almost. So I'm very proud of everyone that I know or even know of who can do like the, the only fans or like the burlesque. I have a friend who does burlesque and she's really badass with it. I, I think that it's really amazing how some of these women have like really found a way to empower themselves in that. And I think that for me, like wearing a bikini and a wig has definitely done that for me. For Phoebe, the unsolicited judgments and views from others just isn't anything new. She told me a story about a frustrating experience that she had in middle school. One of the people from yearbook came to my classroom and was like, hey, like, you need to come see us. Your school photo is not up to our dress code standards. And I was racking my brain at this point. What could I possibly have done? Like, what was my hair up in a weird way? Or like, what is it possibly? And so they were like, we need to take another picture of you now. It looks like what you're wearing was fine. I think I was wearing like a t-shirt. Like I remember distinctively being like, I'm not looking my best. I was somebody who was like always wearing like um, a cute blouse, I would say. So we like went outside and they took my picture with like trees behind it. So like it wasn't like everybody else's picture when it actually got in the yearbook. I ended up uh, going to, I think it was the vice principal's office and she showed me my picture and she was like, see here where your spaghetti strap is showing or not, not your spaghetti strap, your bra strap. And I'm like, I'm 11. I don't wear bras. And so I was like, I'm pretty sure that's a spaghetti strap from like a tank top. And she's like, it doesn't matter. It's what it looks like or whatever. And it was a, a nice blouse that I was wearing. And it was literally like just 
barely showing. In that moment, I was livid because of now my picture is going to be different than everyone else's. Looking back on that, though, do you think that it is adults projecting onto children sexuality? Oh, 100%. Dress codes are everywhere, and sometimes they can be vague. For example, at Disneyland, they ask that you not wear anything that might be viewed as inappropriate for a family environment, whatever that means. But at places like public schools, they're often much more detailed and mostly pertain to female presenting people. According to the National Center for Education Statistics, 55% of high schools enforce a strict dress code. 61% of middle schools do the same. Even 41% of elementary schools bring out the rulers to measure the length of skirts or, or to tell students not to wear a spaghetti strap and halter tops not to show their stomach, or to wear leggings or yoga pants to school. When I asked everyone I interviewed for this podcast what they believed needed to change, they all shared something along the lines of how difficult it is to change an entire society's perception, and that it would take a long time for female-presenting people to not be seen as objects or some kind of villainous creature because of their body. In turn, many people are afraid to express themselves in a variety of ways or to be quote-unquote sexy because it's seen as shameful rather than liberating. To talk about that, here's Dolly Marlowe. Why women are afraid of embracing their sexuality, whether and their sexuality and their sensuality and how they tie together. I think fear of judgment plays a huge role. I don't want to be seen as a slut. I don't want to be seen as dumb. I want to be taken seriously. And then I think it also, insecurity plays a big role in that too. If I feel like I'm not attractive enough, that my body isn't good enough, that, um, that men or women, whoever, aren't going to like me, it's easier if I vilify the thing than say, I can't reach that thing. Do you think a lot of people veer away from being sexy because they think if I'm seen as sexy, I'm not seen as anything else then? I do. I do. I think that's a lot of, of it. And that I do, from my own experience, that's a lot of what I have gotten. You dress this way and you behave this way specifically for the male gaze. That's your end goal. It, and it isn't. This is, I wear the things that I like and I do the things that I like because I like them. My end goal is getting paid. I mean, that's, that's my end goal. My end goal is getting butts in the seats so I get paid for gigs. That's my end goal. But um, I don't wake up in the morning, go into my closet and say, what would a man like to see me in today? What would, it's, you know, half the time when I take a picture for Instagram or whatever, it's what I'm already wearing. It's what I'm already doing. It's not, there's not a whole lot of production that goes in behind it unless I'm at an actual photo shoot. And then I'm not even thinking about men and what men would like and what men would think is sexy. I'm thinking about the best shot, what makes the best art. If I can be honest for a moment, making this podcast is always a bit frightening. Being a straight white male, I understand that my viewpoint and opinion is not always needed. And as the podcast format grows, so do podcasts that see men pushing their judgments onto everyone else. 
that's not the goal of this show, and I hope that you see that. In fact, Dolly summed up everything best, so instead of me trying to wrap a nice bow on the end of this, I'm going to move out of the way and let her. If you can't behave yourself around a woman, that's, that's not on society, that's on, that's on you. Society is made up of individuals, and the only way society ever changes is if the individuals start to change. And it may take a lifetime, it may take several lifetimes, but that's the only way that that, that starts to happen. When we try to boil things down into sides, we really stop seeing people as people, we stop seeing them as human, and we start seeing them as enemies to fight or resources to use, but very rarely do we see them as fellow human beings. And I think that's, that's the real tragedy of judgment. Before the show ends, I'd like to thank my guests Becky Everly and Sandra Demas. Dolly Marlowe, who you can find on Instagram at Dolly Marlowe, that's Dolly with a Y, M-A-R-L-O-W-E. And Phoebe Isaacson, who you can also find on Instagram with her cosplays at flubber.ducky, that's ducky with an I-E at the end. Modern Mouse is hosted and produced by myself, Josh Taylor, and for this episode, I had help from producer Christopher Beal. If you'd like to help support the show, you can visit patreon.com slash modernmouse, where you can hear new episodes early, hear longer versions of interviews, and get other exclusive videos and podcasts. And if you didn't know, I have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash modernmouse. I put out much more frequent videos there. I appreciate you for listening to this show. Share it with a friend and rate and review the show wherever you listen. And until next time, my friends, keep moving forward. Bye.